Remain standing as I read uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light, and the children of the day, and we are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. You may be seated. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Those words from Psalm 121. Sometimes it's a bit of a struggle for pastors to know just what to preach. That was the case for me the last week or two as I thought about preaching here today. And it seemed like I went through three or four possibilities and thoughts about something that could work well, um, but ultimately none of those seemed right, including one that I had really thought that I would preach on previously. But so th there was one that is, has been on the back burner now for two times. Uh, maybe that will be for next time. We'll see. Uh, thank you for praying for your pastors. So finally, it came down to, it seemed right to, for me to preach on this subject that I've chosen today. And, and I preached, no, I gave a topic as a layman much like this back in 1997. So, all of that to say that we are so grateful to God for his gifts. He gives us all kinds of gifts for us to enjoy and to appreciate. And I think we do rather well in thanking the Lord for some of his gifts. You know, we, we're grateful for freedom and for food and shelter and gifts uh, or friends and good health. Some of us enjoy good health. Others of us, uh, maybe not always. We even thank the Lord, I think, sometimes for the nice weather and for our church and certainly for salvation and heaven and Jesus. Thank God for all of those. And it seems to me that 
there are a list or a number of other blessings that God blesses us with that we often maybe don't appreciate like we should or notice like we should. They're the kind of blessings that we often take for granted or they could be blessings in disguise and we don't even recognize them right away as blessings. And maybe as I say that, you're thinking of some like that. There's many that we miss, I think. And one of those is something that I have never praised the Lord too much for, or thank God, consciously was grateful. Um, although maybe more in the last number of years than earlier in life, and that's the gift, the good gift that God gives us, that of sleep. Have you thanked God lately that you can sleep? It's a blessing when one can sleep and rest and be refreshed. So the title that I've chosen for the sermon today, God's Good Gift of Sleep. God's Good Gift of Sleep. And as we do that, we'd like to be thinking about physical sleep, yes, but also spiritual sleep and what God's Word says about physical sleep and, spiritually, and applying that, that spiritually especially. And I said that I haven't often thanked the Lord for sleep. Maybe some of you are different. After I gave the topic in 1997, one of the older ladies in church, I don't remember exactly, but she said, oh, she came and said something to the effect that, yes, I thank him for that because I can't always have all of that that I would like. So I realized that our, our situations in life are different. Older people probably are more thankful for sleep and the ability to sleep and what's the, the benefits that sleep brings than maybe some of the rest of us, maybe more than me. My, our daughter-in-law, Stephanie, married to Stanley, I think will be tremendously grateful for sleep when she can do that again, when she can have a good night's rest. The last two nights, she hardly slept because she was in early stage of labor or pre-labor or something. And so Wanda's back there with her phone close by. All of that to say that when Stephanie gets to sleep again I think and have a good night of rest, I think she will be grateful to the Lord. Which brings us to the thought that a lot of you mothers probably are more grateful for sleep than maybe us fathers because mothers are on duty 24-7 and maybe Ste Stephanie won't get an awful lot more sleep the next couple nights or weeks of nights or months as well. Thank God for sleep. I could also say that uh, that there's one person in, in our family Kathy by name, who appreciates a good night of rest. I know that because pretty much we have a little ritual pretty much every morning I say, how are you? And she always says, great. And then I say, how was your night? And she will typically say something about great or wonderful or perfect. And I just tried that on her this morning and she said, how was her night? She, it was great. And I said, how, was, how are you? Great. 
how was your night? And she said, great. We'd like to talk uh, about sleep in three different ways. Uh, first, uh, talk about uh, facts about sleep, kind of scientifically, you know, what it is and what it does and what happens when you don't have it and those kind of things. Then we'd like to look at the Old Testament and notice, interestingly, and maybe surprisingly to us, that it just has quite a lot to say about sleep, about this subject, especially in the wisdom literature, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. But, um, but maybe we'll go elsewhere a bit there too. And then the third section would be that of New Testament teachings and examples about sleep. And hopefully that will all be for edification and exhortation and comfort for us today. Um, and so our being together can add to the praise of the glory of his grace. Thank God for all his good gifts to us. Thank God for the gift of sleep. Uh, thinking about facts about physical sleep, what is sleep? Well, here's a nice dictionary definition. It's the natural periodic suspension of consciousness during which the powers of the body are restored. What is sleep? Well, it's a temporary condition, and I especially emphasize that temporary part. It's a temporary condition of losing, of gradually losing awareness of our surroundings. Generally, when one is asleep, generally he's easily awakened by stimulus or stimuli like noise or sounds, light, action, that kind of thing. And, and as I think, talk about these kind of things, I'm hoping that you're thinking about uh, spiritual parallels to that. Well, when we sleep, our eyes close, of course. Our muscles relax. Our, people would tell us that our heartbeat and breathing rate gets slower, and the brain waves slow down, and the body makes less heat, and we're just unconscious of everything around us. And we're also told that there's five or six cycles uh, during a typical night of sleep where one sleeps real soundly, uh, uh, a deep sleep, and then it becomes more light sleep, and it just keeps cycling like that, our body does through the night, through our rest. So, that's sleep. We knew most of that, right? What, what, but what is sleep good for? Uh, why is it that God created us with the need to sleep? Well, what's it good for? It restores our body. It relaxes our body. It recharges. It reinvigorates our system. Especially, again, scientifically, it provides energy to the brain and the nervous systems. And as we think about that, maybe you're thinking already, God could have done it differently, right? He could have um, created us differently so that our bodies don't, don't have need of sleep. Or he could have created another way of resting and recharging. But he made our bodies this way, and we thank God for his good, good gift of sleep. And then we should talk just a bit about what happens 
when we, one doesn't get enough sleep, whether there's loss of energy, one becomes more quick-tempered, one finds it harder to concentrate, one makes more mistakes, he becomes a bit more suspicious than usual and fearful. Facts about physical sleep. But let's move now to the Old Testament and notice some of Old Testament teaching about sleep. And I think it's interesting that David and Solomon, father and son, especially talk on this subject in Psalms and Proverbs. What is sleep symbolic of? What is, what does sleep, physical sleep, picture in the spiritual part of our being, in the spiritual realm? Well, and I'm guessing that you're thinking about that, sleep in the Bible is often symbolizes laziness and, and slothfulness. And I would like if you would just uh, go with me th uh, to these various passages, and, and I will read them. Uh, you can be turning to Proverbs 6, 9, if you will. And maybe I won't be making many comments, but we'll see what the Bible says about how sleep, sleep pictures a lazy, slothful man. Proverbs 6, 9, verses 6, 9, 10, and 11 how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. And I thought... I never really understood what the last part of verse 11 means about the traveler and the armed man. And it was interesting to me uh, to notice in studying uh, that the Amplified says, and I'll read verse 11 in the Amplified version, So will your poverty come like a robber or one who travels with slowly and surely approaching steps, and your want like an armed man making you helpless. Um, so sleep, laziness, has a way of bringing poverty, the Bible says. It, and in our words, we might say it's like a gun pointed at you. Poverty brings one to ruin, uh, lack of freedom, uh, lack, yes. Laziness and slothfulness. Uh, moving to Proverbs 10, verse 5. Still on that same subject. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Proverbs 19, 15. Moving over those chapters to Proverbs 19, 15. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. And one more, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 13. As we think about how sleep pictures laziness and how that laziness brings poverty and ruin. And again, hopefully we're thinking about how, how that's true both physically and spiritually. Verse 
Um, Proverbs 20, verse 13. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Poverty, laziness and poverty go hand in hand. So, sleep is a picture of laziness in the Bible. But let's think a little bit further than that. Not only is that the case, but it also, sleep, as give, sleep is pictured in other ways as well. And if you would turn with me now to Ecclesiastes 5.12, and thinking about what else sleep symbolizes or pictures. Ecclesiastes 5.12, and notice that this is a much more positive picture. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. All right, so that shows that sleep is a picture of peace and security. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Going to Psalm 3 5, Psalms 3 5, and the picture is similar there. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. And Psalm 4 8. Same page probably in your Bibles. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. So sleep in the Bible isn't only a picture of laziness and slothfulness, but also of peace and security and safety. I'd also like to look at Proverbs 3.24 as, as we think about that. Proverbs 3.24 And I think I'd like to take time to read verses 13 through 24. Culminating with verse 24 where it talks about sleep. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared with her. And maybe I won't keep reading there. You're most welcome to do that at your seat. Verse 21 talks about sound wisdom and discretion. And when one has that wisdom that is described so beautifully here, then, verse 23, then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou, verse 24, when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Peace, security, safety. Wisdom brings that. When, when we are serious about being friends with wisdom, who is more precious than rubies, verse 5, then we will have peace and safety and security in life. And I think that that passage, although it doesn't use that word, certainly is a picture of a person with a good and a clear conscience. That kind of person typically can sleep well. A person that has an unclear conscience many times cannot sleep very well at night. Maybe you have experience with that. 
peace, security, and safety. The wonderful thing about your conscience is that if it's not clear, and if one isn't sleeping because of that too well, that can be fixed, that can be taken care of as, as you repent, as we repent and confess that, uh, just like First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for the possibility and the privilege of a clear conscience because of Jesus. Well, something else. So, sleep in the Old Testament symbolizes and pictures laziness, also peace and security and safety. Are you thinking about the next one? It picture, it's a picture of death. That's a New Testament doctrine with Old Testament seeds. Um, but let's just look at a couple of verses again in, here in this context about how that sleep is compared to death in the Old Testament. Psalm 13.3. Psalm 13.3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And then moving all the way down to Psalm 127, verse 2. A similar thought there. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Sleep, sleep as a picture of physical death. Not spiritual death now, but physical death. In 2 Samuel 7 and 1 Kings 1, both of those talking about King David, it mentions how that he was to sleep with his fathers. Speaking of physical death. So, what is sleep symbolized in Scripture? Well, in the Old Testament, it has to do with laziness and slothfulness and peace, security, safety, and also it speaks of death, physical death as a sleep. There's a fourth thing that I think we should talk about just a bit. A fourth thing that sleep in the Old Testament pictures for us and that is that the first two times that sleep are mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, of course, in chapter, oh, I should have checked, two or three, and then again in chapter 15, the, the first two times that sleep is mentioned, it, the, there's an adjective attached to it, and it's, Deep sleep. Remember Adam. God put him into a deep sleep. Also in Acts, in Genesis 15, Abraham was put into a deep sleep, the Bible says. Both times it's obvious that God put these heroes of the faith. Well, I guess Adam is that. Adam Put Adam and Abraham, God put them into sleep. Why? Why did God put them into a deep sleep? I think the thought is, as I see it, is that God wanted to do something good for them, but he needed them 
to get out of the way. Sometimes God purposely puts his children on the shelf. It seems like he did that to Adam so that something tremendously good could come out of it. It seems like God needed to put Abraham into a deep sleep so that he could provide and provide um, a right, good path for Abraham. Sometimes I think that God purposely puts his children on the shelf. Sometimes maybe the Lord needs us to just slow down a little bit and have God put us to sleep. We often don't think about that kind of thing, do we? I don't. But there are times in life when it just seems like we're not sure what the will of the Lord is. Maybe we would like to get married, but nobody from the opposite gender seems to agree. Maybe you'd like to go into service or serve God in a greater way, and you have a, a sincere desire to do that, but nothing seems to be panning out. When there's times like that, I, I, God might just be putting you to sleep and preparing you for something bigger later on when you are ready and when he brings those opportunities. And I would just say that when, there's, when it seems like you're on the shelf, when it seems like God has put you to sleep and there, nothing good is happening, that would be the time to concentrate and on serving. Serve your parents. Serve your children. Serve your church. Serve, serve, serve. It could be that when God puts you into a deep sleep, similar to what he did to Adam and Moses, Adam and Abraham, that God is preparing you for something. Serve, serve, serve. All right, we've talked now about sleep for a while. We talked about the physical facts, you know, the biology and the physiology part of it. We talked about some of the things that the Old Testament has to say about sleep. Now let's turn to the New Testament. And for almost all of that, it will be in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. The first person that we'd like to look about look at is a man named Eutychus, and that's in Acts 20, uh, pretty close to the end, verses 7 and 12, 7 through 12. Pretty close to the beginning, I guess. Um, Eutychus, that name means well-off or fortunate. Eutychus was a fortunate young man, and... I think that he is a New Testament picture of, of what the Bible teaches in the Old Testament, how that sleep is a picture of laziness or slothfulness. Eutychus uh, had all kinds of things going for him. He was able to fellowship on the Lord's Day with those of like precious faith. Uh, they were having communion together. They were showing Christ's death. The, uh, the text says that there was lots of lights, so it was... Down below, it was all cold and dark, but up where they were in the heavenlies in the third story, there was light and life. And not only that, but he, the group that night, had a special privilege of a visiting minister. His name was the Apostle Paul. 
But in, all, in spite of all that, he was in a window, which is a dangerous halfway place to be, and he fell. He, he, he fell asleep, and then he fell down. And then Paul went and fell on him. Eutychus is a picture of Old Testament slothfulness, uh, teaching of slothfulness. I think that Eutychus was a picture of a spiritually lazy person. Not only was he physically lazy, but a picture of a spiritual lazy person who fell. When we, are, when we love sleep and we become lazy and slothful, and especially in the spiritual way, we will become a Eutychus and our fall, the first fall, was more fatal, perhaps. Well, the second fall was more fatal, but the first one was also very serious. And hopefully we get that picture, that Eutychus was spiritually lazy. How alert and awake am I when God would want me and have me to be awake? Eutychus is a picture of laziness. Secondly, this is in Acts 12, 6. And this, remember when we talked um, about the Old Testament, the first point was that, picture, that sleeping, sleep is a picture of laziness. The second point was that sleep is a picture of peace, security, and safety. And we see that in Acts 12, 6. Um, Peter was in jail for some reason, this is a favorite scene of mine, and I think that I talk about it over this pulpit um, every once in a while. Let's just think about it again. Uh, Peter was in jail, and he was going to be executed the very next day. And to me, it's just tremendously impressive that verse... Oh, I'm looking for the verse that says, <laughs> verse 6, Peter was in jail, he was condemned to death, his execution was going to be the next day, and when the angel got there to rescue him, what was Peter doing? He wasn't cursing, as he would have had other times in his life when things were pretty tight. Remember um, the fire outside the palace that evening when he um, denied Jesus. Peter was not cursing here. Neither was Peter pacing the floor or uh, had a very worried face. Uh, he wasn't even praying, but he was, the Bible says, he was sleeping. And that is certainly a picture of peace and security and safety that the Old Testament talks about that God provides to his children. Even in times of stress and strain and suffering, thank God for the peace that he can bring. And maybe even at times like that, some of us can sleep well at night with a clear conscience. I will, and I think again of that verse, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Somehow it's easy for me to imagine that Peter might have prayed that just before he went to sleep that night. 
a picture of peace. So Eutychus is a picture of laziness. Peter is a picture of peace. And how about Stephen now in Acts 7, verse 60, the very last verse says that he fell asleep. And you know, of course, that that is physical death. He fell asleep, the Bible says. So he had gone from having a heavenly glow uh, when he began his defense to the very end, he, from heaven, a heavenly glow to heaven itself. Death is like sleep. The Old Testament we looked at a number of verses that talks about that subject. Stephen, he fell asleep in death, in physical death. How, let's think about that just a little bit for a minute or two. How is death like sleep? How does it compare? Well, both of them, they kind of look alike, right? When Frida's body was lying here in casket the other evening she looked peaceful it didn't look like much different than if she would just have been sleeping it's also both are similar in that physical sleep and physical death are similar in that both of them are continued existence when you go to sleep you will wake up again when you go to sleep, that doesn't mean that your life and experience has ended. Certainly not. And just the same, when we fall asleep in death, like Stephen did, and like Frida did, doesn't mean that oh, we're annihilated or anything. Certainly not. There's continued existence. Thirdly, not only sleep and death, they look alike. There's continued existence for both. Uh, thirdly is that both sleep and physical death are temporary, thank God. They're temporary. And both of them, typically, they are easily awakened. It's easy to wake most people from sleep. All, you, all Wanda has to do oftentimes is say, Norman, and I will wake up. For those Christians who have died in the Lord... Um, all that it takes to wake up those bodies out in the graveyard is for the trumpet to sound and the voice of the archangel to sound. And instantly, uh, many, many bodies, somehow we don't understand at all. But can you imagine how that'll be? Can you picture that with me out there in that graveyard? What a picture that will be when the Lord descends from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And that graveyard is going to pretty much empty out. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Yes. Well, the fourth way that we looked at Old Testament teaching was that the deep sleep part. Remember that? Where God kind of sometimes puts his children on the shelf. Paul was that kind of a person. Did you know, um, we often think of Paul as an activist, very, very busy in the work of the Lord, and he was. But as near as we can tell, a timeline of his life, he 
lived after the Damascus Road, after he was saved there on the Damascus Road, he lived about 30 years. About 30 years. So if he was, yes, about 30 years. And when we look more carefully at his years of ministry and action and work for the Lord, he was only working um, and preaching about half of that time, just over half of that time. And you might ask, what was he doing the other half, the other part? Well, for three years he was in Arabia. God put him on the shelf. For a couple years after that, uh, he went home to Tarsus. God had him on the shelf some more. Then maybe after that, there was 15 years, like close to 15 years of active service, missionary journey after missionary journey after missionary journey. And then all of a sudden, he was in jail in Jerusalem for a couple of years. And then he went to Rome and was in jail for a good while there. And I think the last 10 or 12 years of his life, um, he might have been in jail in Rome. God put him on the shelf. Deep sleep. Deep sleep. God might do that to you. God might be doing that to you. God may have done that to you. And when he does, when he puts you in a deep sleep, when it seems like you're not doing anything for the Lord and it seems like you can't hardly do anything because of your circumstances and situation in life, I think that it's mostly that just God has you in a perfect place of preparation And the time will come when he will wake you out of that deep sleep and put you to work in the work of his kingdom. But especially I would just like to encourage that in this time of deep sleep, if God has you or will have or has had you in a time of deep sleep, just learn from that and be willing to be asleep for Christ's sake. It's easy for us to be active in the work of the Lord. It's not always as easy to be silent when God doesn't seem to show his will for us at the time. Do you see? um, In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, sleep is a picture of laziness, Eutychus. It's also a picture of peace, security, safety, Peter in jail. It's also a picture of physical death, Stephen, he fell asleep. And it also can be a picture of a deep sleep of putting God, putting one on the shelf in preparation for the future. I thank God for the his good gift of sleep, physical sleep, and the spiritual uh, parallels that go with that. I'm so grateful for that. I, it's just one of the many blessings that God blesses us with. Just one of many, many, many. And in conclusion, I would also just like to say that something else that I'm so blessed at and I'm so grateful for is that though sleep is a part of God's creation and we need it and God blesses us with it that he doesn't sleep that he 
never takes his eye off of us. He never becomes unconscious or even drowsy. You know that Psalm 121 says that, right? And I just end on that note. If I can find it, that is. Psalm 121, verse 3 and 4. I quoted, I read that at the beginning, just as I stood up. And I read that again here in closing, just before we come to prayer. Thank God that he is the all-awake, all-good God who blesses us with the good gift of sleep, and he himself doesn't. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Shall we bow for prayer? I'm sorry, I meant to say kneel for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are such a blessed people in a blessed land. And I think that we're even living in a blessed time in history. And we thank you for your many, many, many good blessings to us. And we recognize that there's a lot of blessings that maybe we don't appreciate quite enough. And maybe sleep for some of us is one of them. I thank you for all the teaching in Scripture about sleep and what it symbolizes and, our, and the pictures of our Christian life and experience. And Lord, I thank you that you have created sleep and that you've created rest in Christ Jesus especially, that spiritual rest and peace and security and safety that you bring in Christ. Thank you for the book of Ephesians and for the privilege of studying that in Sunday school. And especially, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't sleep, that you are always awake, always alert, always um, looking out for what's best enough for us, your people, as individuals and as groups and as this church. Thank you for the church at Weavertown. And I pray, Lord, that as we... Uh, seek to follow you with our whole heart, that you would lead us in the way that we should go, even if sometimes it means putting us into a deep sleep where we're not always sure what your will is for us. I thank you that you will lead us and guide us to your heavenly home, and we pray even so come, Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen.